Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Sunday sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship. We would love to hear how God has blessed your life. Reach out to us through social media or email us at scfellowshipchurch at gmail.com. Going through the Lord's Prayer. Very simple prayer. We've prayed it many times. Those of you that were athletes, I know a lot of times growing up, even in Little League and uh, football, whatever we played, we always said the Lord's Prayer. I didn't always understand it, but we just said it. You memorized it. It was something you did. And so what God's doing through these uh, sermons is, is kind of breaking it down. What is each part talking about? We started out with our Father who is in heaven. You know, it's our Father. It's not just your Father or your Father or my Father. It's our Father. We're unified through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. It's our Father. Well, today's part was lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I got to tell you, as I was studying more and more, we're just going to do lead us not into temptation today. We'll save deliver us from evil for another sermon. There's so much to that. And the first thing that really got through my mind was I didn't quite understand that. Lord, why, why are you telling me not to, you know, am I going to pray, Lord, lead me not into temptation? This is why I was, uh, you know, confused by it was because of uh, James... Well, let me see which one it is. God doesn't tempt us, right? James 1.13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. So if God doesn't tempt us, why are we praying, Lord, lead us not into temptation? If he doesn't tempt us, then why are we praying that? The first thing we need to understand is, you know, does God tempt us? You know, you ever started a fast and then somebody wants to take you out to eat? Or they bring in donuts. God just laid it on their heart to bring in donuts. That's when I start doubting this scripture where it says God doesn't tempt us, you know. So, so why are temptations even a part of our life? Why is it necessary for temptations to be out there? When we understand that we're flesh beings, but why even have that? If temptation is going to lead us away from Christ, then why would he even allow that to be in here? And I think this, the, the answer is simple. It is simply that without temptation, there's no sin. And without sin, there's no glory of righteousness. See, when we get to heaven, there's not going to be sin. It's going to be all about God and glory. We're not in heaven right now. We want his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. But this is not heaven right now. And so without sin, there is no glory. Without that temptation, there's no, there's no choice. And if there's no choice, there's no free will. And God did give us free will, free will to choose him. See, the Christian life is all about choosing him. It's not about robots. It's not about God making us and forcing us to do anything. It's about us choosing him. So, so I think it's a good idea to go through temptations. Why, why are we talking about this at all, Lord? Why, why are we saying, lead us not into temptation? You know, you've you, you got to look at what temptations are. James, the first chapter, says, Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect results so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The temptations come and how we respond to them tests our faith. There are trials, there are tribulations that come. Paul said that we should run the race for the prize. How do you run a race without endurance? How do you build endurance without testing? So God's going to test our faith, but we've got to decipher between testing and tempting. 
When are we being tested and when are we being tempted? So what are temptations? You look at James 1.14, it says, but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. See, we're enticed by what we want to do. What do we start out with in the Father's prayer? Our Father. Who are we supposed to look to in each situation? Our Father. Who do we look to most of the time? Us. Ourselves. We don't look to the Father. Or if things are extremely desperate, then we look to God. We look for freedom, and we get that freedom, and then we thank him, and then we move on with our lives. And we don't come back to him until things are bad again. It's got to be a constant communication with him. It's got to be a constant reliance on him. It's got to be a constant understanding that it's not our abilities that are going to deliver us from evil. It's not our abilities that are going to get us away from temptation. But it's God. And when we start to entertain our own lusts, the, own, the things that we desire. See, we talk about God will give us the desires of our heart. But it's only when we delight in his ways. Because if God gives us the desires of our heart every time we have a desire, boy, we would be living in sin all the time. All the time. You think about David, he wrote in Psalm 140, 41.4, he said, Do not incline my heart to any evil thing, to practice deeds of wickedness with men who do iniquity, and do not let me eat of their delicacies. In other words, don't let my heart be drawn to what is evil so that I take part in wicked deeds. In other words, don't, God help me that I don't take part in these things. Lord, I know it's not you leading me into it, but I need to remember and I need to ask you for your help that I would avoid these temptations. I want to keep you first in my life. You know, I think about it in terms of like a, a mother going to the grocery store. And when I read this story, I thought it was interesting. They, they used the mother. I guess that assumption is pretty good. I don't, I don't like taking the kids to the grocery store at all. I don't like going to the grocery store myself. I'm very thankful for Walmart order online. I don't know about you guys, but I enjoy just going and picking up my groceries. Uh, but, you know, you think about taking your kids to the grocery store, and what are the two aisles you try to avoid the most? Cereal aisle and the candy aisle. And it's similar to the mother that gets near the candy aisle and just keeps on going. So not today. Not today. I don't even want to tempt them. So we're saying, Lord, don't even take me down the candy aisle today. I don't think I can handle it. Lead is not a temptation. Lord, don't allow me to go down that candy aisle today. Lord, I don't need any cereal today. I can't overcome that temptation, Lord, so help me to be free from that temptation. You know, it's temptation versus trial and tribulation. That's what we got to determine. When are we being tempted, and when is it just a trial or tribulation? You know, you think of Joseph. He wasn't being tempted. He was going through a trial and a tribulation. When his brother sold him into slavery, and then Potiphar's wife accused him and falsely accused him, and he got thrown in jail. But, but you see, God was doing something. God was working things out to his good. And that what it tells us in Romans 8, 28? says that, you know, we can't always grasp what God's doing in our circumstances, but we can rely on his promise to work all things together for the good to those who belong to him. We may not understand what we're going through. We may not always know why we're experiencing the things that we're experiencing, but if we're constantly looking to him, if we're constantly looking at God and relying on him, then we can trust he is going to deliver us, and he's going to work all things out to our good. He's going to work all things out to our good. You know, we've got to exhibit patience, though, and continue to pray. It can't just be about right now getting the satisfaction we're looking for. It's, it's a battle. Paul said it's a race, okay? I think of it as a marathon, not a sprint. You know, we've got to have that endurance because this is something that takes patience. 
If you weren't able to join us on Wednesday night, I encourage you next week. I'll have the video downloaded and put up to YouTube. But Sonia and Danny spoke to us and gave us prayer testimony. And one of the things that really stuck out to me was Danny's testimony about the job that he currently has versus what his dream job was. And his dream job didn't come about. In fact, he got denied for that dream job. But he looks back at it now. They kept praying, Lord, your will be done. Lord, this is what I would like, but ultimately I want your will to be done. And guess what? One of his other prayers was, Lord, don't ever let me be furloughed. If you know what furloughed is, that means you're laid off, you're not getting paid. Okay? Lord, please don't let me get furloughed. And through the route that God took Danny, he's never been furloughed, right? Amen. Praise God. So that prayer was answered. It wasn't answered the way Danny thought it was going to be answered, but it was the way God answered it. And he'll tell you today that he's very grateful for the job that he has and the route that he took. But it wasn't always easy going through that. There's some pain. There's some crying. There's some tears that, that happen, you know. We are flesh beings. We do, we do feel frustration and anxiety and pain and grief. That's when we cry out to the Lord. But we got to say, Lord, it's got to be your will. It's got to be your will. You know, a lot of times we think of temptation as uh, evil. You know, we can't look at every situation as evil. Again, sometimes it's just God testing us. It's just God allowing us to go through a trial or tribulation so that he can make us better, so that he can draw our hearts closer to him. I'm constantly reminded of 2 Kings, and one of the themes through 2 Kings is God brings a particular person to power, they become king, and yet a verse or two later it says, and they did evil in the sight of the Lord. You go to the next chapter, they raise up another king, and then it says they did evil in the sight of the Lord. You go to the next chapter, so on and so forth, and you go, Lord, why did you keep rising up these people to power? And you get the theme a little later on, which is God's going to do what God has to do to bring the heart of the people back to him. God's going to do what he's got to do to bring us back to him. And we're either going to submit, surrender, or get run over. You know, we often see trials and tribulations and we, we decide whether or not it's evil based on our comfort level. You know, I was thinking about the sale of the church at 750, and that was tough. It was tough on a lot of people. There was a lot of uh, blood, sweat, and tears that went into that building and, and building it and praying over it. And, and, you know, you don't always understand, Lord, you, you gave us this building. Why are we being asked to sell this building? This is where we're comfortable. The Lord says sell the building. So you sell the building, and the people tell you, or ask you where you go to church and where the church is located, and you say, well, currently it's located at 750 Mount Carmel Road, but we're selling the building. We're not sure uh, exactly when it will sell. And they say, well, where are you moving to? And you go, I, I don't know. <laughs> People look at you like you're crazy. What do you mean you don't know? Why are you selling the building if you don't have anywhere to go? Trusting God. Don't understand. It's, it's not a comfort zone, but we got to trust him. Fast forward to last year, you look at everything that COVID did, the financial impact it had, and I'm saying to you right now, if we were in that building at 750, we would not have sustained that building. We would not have sustained that building. But God. But God. And so through obedience and through what we think is discomfort, God's still moving and working. God's still moving and working. We cannot, we cannot judge our evilness or temptation or trials, whether we're doing good and bad, based on our comfort level. Amen. One of the talks we've had in some of the meetings here recently has been, why are we doing offering differently? My first answer is, that's just what I felt like God was telling me. Not felt like I know. <laughs> that's what God was telling me to do. As you pray about it more and more, you realize this is getting people out of their comfort zone. 
when we get out of our comfort zone, again, we get a chance to submit, surrender, or get run over. But if we make the choice to submit and surrender, it's amazing what God can and will do. I will tell you this, that tithes and offerings are up this year. And as you know, amen, give God praise and glory. That's not, amen. That's not anything I've done. If you go back and watch all the sermons, matter of fact, I'm really shocked people remember to tithe and offer because I forget to tell you half the time. It's, you know, I brought it up today for the first time in a while because I was reminded that we've got some new people coming and you may not even understand what we're doing or where to even give tithe and offering. Again, tithe and offering is not my job to track you down. I'm not God's bag man. It's my job to educate you on what the scriptures tell us through tithe and offering. And it's, it's my job to provide an opportunity and a place for you to bring your tithes and offerings to the storehouse. But it's your job to bring them and to give them cheerfully. But as leadership, we have to trust God and what he tells us to do. So if he says, stop passing the offering plate and do this differently, we got a choice. We can submit, surrender, or get run over. Thankfully, the leadership here at Southside Christian Fellowship chose to submit and surrender, and God has been God, and he has definitely shown himself to be a God of promises, and he has kept his promises. So I tell you that because I want you to understand it's not about the glory of Southside Christian Fellowship. It's about the glory of God. Amen. It's about being able to tell people about what God's done in your life. I mean, isn't it even better testimony where you can tell people, look, I was going through this, and then God did this, and look at where I am now? Amen. How do you build a testimony if you don't go through something? Amen. So why do we constantly look at the situations we see as bad and uncomfortable is not of God? So again, temptation is deciding between is it a temptation or it is a trial and tribulation. Now give me a minute, I'm going to tell you how to kind of decipher that. I remember when Moses went up to the mountaintop and Aaron was left in charge. And the people got impatient and they wanted something to worship. And they came to Aaron multiple times and just begged and pleaded with him. And finally Aaron relented under the pressure and he built a golden calf for the people to worship. And he built an altar for that golden calf. The short version is that was not good. And that was not appropriate. But what happened? We ran out of patience and we became people pleasers. Because it became uncomfortable and we didn't want to be, we didn't want God messing with our comfort level. So we give in to the temptation, we give in to the enemy, we give in to the people, and we end up missing God. We get run over. Amen. You know, I was reading in my daily devotions this week. I really appreciate Charles Stanley. I think he's got a wealth of knowledge and if you don't have a daily devotion, that's a good one to go to. It's called In Touch Ministries. He was talking about the lack of patience and, and this very thing. And Give me just a minute. I apologize here. I may not tell you what he said. I'm telling you, God really unloaded just so much. I'm kind of picking and choosing a little bit about what to share with you today because it's just so much when you get into the temptations that can be before us. You know, Charles Stanley said, we might not build an actual idol or a physical altar, but there are many times when we choose to turn elsewhere for comfort and answers. And these modern idols take many forms, and some that are even neutral or positive become harmful when put on a pedestal. He didn't list all of them because there's too many to list. It's anything in our lives can become an idol. If that's what we go to for answers, and that's what we begin to worship, and it's not God. You know, that lack of patience can create a temptation. 
Aaron's lack of patience created a temptation that he gave into. I think about my cat, my new cat here, Buster. Buster, oh, there we go. Buster uh, just got spayed, and praise God, amen. So, but in the process, he got his tail hurt a little bit, or got her tail hurt, I'm sorry. Uh, Buster was found outside of Dave and Buster's. There was a little confusion when we took Buster in to get the spaying. They thought Buster was a boy, and so they started a neuter Buster, but they were surprised. There was <laughs> nothing in neuter, so they spayed Buster, and in the process, somewhere along the line, Buster's tail got hurt. And so there's a, there's a, it's like a, a, a something busted a cyst or something, and there's an open wound there. And so Buster would uh, lick her tail, and as she would get close to that spot, it would hurt, and she would begin to growl. I don't mean like a dog, like, like she was growling heavily and, and very, like, hissing. And she'd look around to see who did it. She'd look around, is that you that bit my tail? And she would hiss at you bad, and then she'd, the pain would leave for a minute. She'd kind of eyeball you, and then she'd go, okay, you just stay over there. And she'd go to licking her tail again, and she'd hit that spot. She'd go to growling and hissing and look for somebody else and go, all right, who is it this time? Who's messing with my tail? Was it you? She's hurting herself. You see, we give in to the temptation, and then when we start hurting, we, we start going to God and saying, Lord, why are you doing this to me? We start acting like Buster and going, why are you messing with my tail? And God's going, I didn't do anything to you. You did that to you. <laughs> you did that to you. He's saying, just quit licking your tail and it won't hurt. Quit wounding yourself. So the question becomes, how do we avoid temptation? There's lots of scriptures about this, and I want to go through a few of them with you uh, pretty quickly here. But how do we avoid temptation? The first, the first way we avoid it is simply by looking at God's word. How does God tell us to avoid temptation? There's a lot of people out there that write books and have talk shows and can give you some great advice and ideas, but the honest truth is, unless it lines up with the word of God, it's only going to be temporary. It's only going to be temporary. So let's see what the Word of God says. If you go to Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, it says, Finally, my brothers and sisters, whatsoever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is um, lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, think about these things. As for the things you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things in the God of peace will be with you. Whatever is honorable, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is pure, these are the things we're supposed to be thinking on. So are there things in your life that don't line up with that, that are not lovely and pure and true? That's your first indication there's going to be some temptation come your way. I think about what Paul said in verse 9 there. He said, as for the, as for the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. I said, ooh. How many times have we heard somebody say, do as I say, not as I do, right? That's a pretty good indication. Maybe we're, we're off base just a little bit. Paul was saying, hey, look at what I've done. Follow that. Can we do that? Hmm. Mark 7, 20 through 23 says, and he was saying that which comes out of the person that is what defiles the person. From, for from within, out of the hearts of people come the evil thoughts, acts of sexual immorality, Thefts, murders, acts of adultery, deeds of greed, wickedness, deceit, indecent behavior, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the person. Romans 12, 2, we talked about already says, you know, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. 
1 Corinthians 3.18, take care that no one deceives himself. Take care that no one deceives himself. 2 Corinthians 10.5, we are destroying arguments and all arrogance raised against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So recognizing temptation is what are the lusts of our flesh? When are we getting into the desires of our heart? When are we hoping that things work out the way we want them to when we haven't consulted God? That's the temptations. That's when temptations come. Because you see, when God calls you to a fast and somebody brings a donut in, that's a trial and a tribulation. <laughs> Cruelty, I agree. Cruelty is what that is. Trials and tribulations, because when we recognize that we're following God's will and we still see things as uncomfortable and difficult, we can recognize them as trials and tribulations and we can understand that God is using those to perfect us. God is using that to form us, to shape us. Why? Because we cried out and said, Lord, we surrender to you. Make me who you want me to be. If you haven't done that, that's step one. That's salvation. Salvation says, God, my ways aren't working out. I need you. I trust in you. I believe in you. Once you surrender your life to him, then you open the door and say, okay, Lord, do with me what you will. That's not easy. That's not easy. We have this flesh that constantly cries out, constantly cries out. Again, James 1.14 talks about being enticed by our own flesh. That's when we get tempted. So let me just kind of kind of shorten this a little bit and summarize it for you. When, when we talk about lead us not into temptation, we're really saying, Lord, without you, I'm weak. I'm weak. So, so we need to think about a few things. We need to think about where's the source of temptation coming from? What, what are the different methods of temptation that happen? And, and, and why do we entertain temptation at all? And how do we escape it? So just real quick, it's real simple. The sources of temptation are Satan and the world our flesh. These are the sources. How can we identify it? Think about times when you're prideful, selfish, when you have hatred, lies. These things are all from our enemy. These bring temptation. You know, methods of temptation. I mean, think about how Satan entered the Garden of Eden as a snake. Think about snakes, very stealthy, right? Attack us when we're what? Not prepared and unaware. Why do we even entertain temptation? One of the ways is to show our own power, our arrogance. I can overcome. I can do that. You stumble, but I, I won't stumble with that. I can do that. I, I can't do anything without Christ. I can't overcome anything. Again, when we start putting things back to us and we look at what we can do, that's when we start to get in trouble. That's when temptation starts to come and temptation says, okay, prove it to me. Prove it to me. Through our own arrogance is how we stumble. Sometimes we just want to experience it for ourselves. I remember telling my boys as they were growing up and coming of age, and I know we got some young kids, so I'll, I will tell the story a little differently, but, you know, it was time for me to have a talk with them. They were starting to get interested in girls, and I needed to have that talk with them. And so I just kind of told them the truth. And, and I said, let me just tell you something, boys. Uh, people don't do these things before marriage because they're painful and because they're no fun. There's a lot of fun to be had. There's a lot of fun with different things of the world, but it's temporary. 
It's temporary. It's not the initial fun that's the problem. It's what comes later. It's the burdens, the consequences, the guilt, the shame, the torment, the torture. Those are the things that, that the world doesn't tell you about, that sin doesn't tell you about. We live in a world that says, hey, if you have a relationship with a young lady that's, that's, that's a certain age, like when my boys were 17 and they might have been dating a girl that was 15, there were criminal charges that could have been filed against them if they'd done certain things. And yet they're living in a world that constantly promotes those acts. Every billboard they see, every song they listen to, every movie they see says this is the way to live. And then when they live that way, we lock them up in jail or we make them file forms and stuff for the rest of their life. That's what the enemy does. Bondage, lies. I'm 46, Tammy is the young age of 50. But if she's 18 and I'm 14, right? Now, we've got to talk to our children. We've got to help them understand the, 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 the system that we're in. But this is also one of the reasons why God has his ways. If you follow God's ways, you'll never fall into any of those traps that the world sets for you. Never. God says in those particular areas, and I think you all know what I'm talking about, wait until marriage. One, I told my boys, because once you flip that switch, it's very hard to turn that switch off. Very hard. Number two, there's all kinds of laws and pitfalls for you. And so why put yourself in that situation? Number three, there's a spiritual attachment that happens when you join with somebody, whether you're in marriage or not. And when you separate and you break, that's why God doesn't like divorce. If you've gone through that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It doesn't matter whether you were... Um, whether you were the one that was unfaithful or your partner was unfaithful or whatever the case may be, there's a spiritual tearing that happens. There's a ripping when those relationships happen. So God's saying, look, do it my way. Don't fall into those temptations that the world sets for you. Don't fall into the lies that the enemy sets. Don't fall into those traps. So don't just experience it for yourself. Don't be an imitator and follower of other people. I'm going to kind of pull this to a close, and we can talk about some of this more later because it goes on. There's so many ways that we get tempted. But again, temptation comes when we are pursuing the desires of our flesh, when we're not delighting in the ways of the Father. If we will focus on God, the easiest way to escape temptation is to focus on the things that are of God. What are the things of God? He left us his word. We have other Christians... Christian brothers and sisters that have walked through those different trials and tribulations and sometimes fall into those temptations. I don't have to do drugs and get lost in the world of alcohol and, and other sins to understand the impact they have on my life. I have examples around me and, and people that have unfortunately fallen to those temptations, but they want to help me. They want to speak to me. They want to bless me and help me to avoid those issues and those temptations. So we come together as a church. We come together as a body of believers sold out to Jesus Christ. And we understand that we are walking this together. We also don't hold it inside and try to bury it and hide it. We confess our faults one to another so that our God can heal us. We find that Christian brother or sister that's not going to judge us for our faults, but it's going to love us through our sins. And when we fall into temptation, that's what the church is supposed to be. What we're supposed to do for each other. I have four quotes here. I couldn't narrow them down. They all really do just uh, 
sum everything I've been talking about up very well. And so I want to I want to read these quotes to you. Let me get you to stand to your feet. You know, I'm trying to work on simplifying my sermons. I've been doing a pretty good job, and this one just got so deep. It was so amazing, the, the things that I learned, because I told Dad, I said, you know, when you pray to lead us not into temptation, man, that's a really, I struggled with that. God doesn't put temptation on me, so why am I praying, Lord, don't, don't lead me into temptation? Or else it's not Him leading me into temptation. I'm leading myself into temptation. I'm messing up. Billy Sunday said it this way. He said, temptation is the devil looking through the keyhole. Yielding is opening the door and inviting him in. F.B. Meyer said, temptation may even be a blessing when it reveals to us our weakness and drives us to the almighty Savior. Notice that reveals our weakness. We have to understand we are weak. Without God, we are weak. And our arrogance is what gets us in trouble when we start thinking that we can overcome any situation on our own. That's when we fall to temptation. He said, it reveals to us our weakness and drives us to the Almighty Savior. Do not be surprised then, child of God, if you are tempted at every step of your earthly journey. Oftentimes we think that I overcame that trial and tribulation so I won't have any more come my way. I overcame that temptation so I won't have any more come my way. It's a daily battle to the day you leave this earth. And the second you forget that, that's when we get careless. and That's when the enemy strikes. That's when he takes us and he runs us over. Two more. God has defeated Satan through the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Through this overwhelming victory, God has also empowered you to overcome any temptation to sin and has provided sufficient resources for you to respond biblically to any problem of life. By relying on God's power and being obedient to his word, you can be an overcomer in any situation. And the last one, we've talked about this in terms of prayer. The Lord's Prayer. So A.B. Simpson sums it up best. He says, temptation exercises our faith and teaches us to pray. Today, I want to tell you that I know you go through temptations. I know you go through temptations. It's not if, it's not when, it's not even why. We're flesh beings. It happens. That's why we're here, to walk together with one another. We got to look to our Savior when we go through these temptations and understand it's an exercise in prayer and faith. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman, an elder at Southside, to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.